0: We bought this lot for 400k, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, permit approval. So we put 15% down, which is 60k, right? And then closing costs and all that. Uh, And then when it converted into a construction loan or one time close loan, because the appraisal value was high enough that we didn't have to put any more money in. So we essentially got this, you know, now I think it's appraised for like 1.5 million. We got, basically, we built the whole thing for 60k plus carrying costs right Right. and so this is what i'm talking about when it comes to like real estate investing there are thousands of ways to execute the same strategy right
1: welcome to chai and cabins where we talk all things entrepreneurship today i have another incredible guest with us chloe my name is rashmi like don't rush me and it's my pleasure to welcome you onto this podcast Welcome to Chai and Cabins, guys. Today I have another incredible guest with us, Chloe. Chloe, you and I met a few years ago. Was it a real estate meetup? I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, it was one of the meetups, I think. Yeah, it was like a random thing that we like got together and I was like, oh my God, it, it, like you've done so much. Let me hear your story. And then we grabbed wine and like I did a wine tasting and Yes,
1: I was like, yes,
0: this is the type of a friendship I want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've taken road trips together, and we've done all sorts of cool deals, and I absolutely love your story. Um, I'm super excited to share it today. Um, so I want to kind of start off by asking you, tell me a little bit about your journey kind of getting into real estate. How did you get started? How did you come to the United States? Tell me a little bit about the background.
0: Yeah, my name is Clay Kwon. I'm originally from South Korea, Seoul, South Korea, which is capital there. I was born and raised there until I was 12. I told my parents I want to go study abroad. And if anyone knows like how competitive and how much, you know, sort of pressure there is to succeed in Korea, it's it's incredibly competitive and a lot of pressure, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed in a lot of ways, right? But because they value, my parents valued education a lot, but I just, you know, I had seven tutors since I was like second grade, right? I was on this trajectory to become, you know, doctor, you know, a lot of those I think kind of like robbed me from childhood in a bit. Right. I didn't have like chance to be a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw my cousins who were older than me and they were already doctors and they were just living miserable life. Right. (laughs) They're just did not seem happy. Just a lot of, pressure constantly right um and so I I was like you know i I set my parents down and I'm like I'm gonna go study abroad so effectively that meant that um, I was flying by myself to Cleveland Ohio where I was uh, I went to a boarding school all-girl Catholic equestrian school that I went <laughs> um yeah and then I started I started studying there right so I, I'm I guess you know I'm a first generation immigrant um, I didn't speak English at the time I have no family here. Um, I still don't have any family here. Um, And, you know, 20 years later, here I am, um, went to four, five schools since then, got a job in different industries. And then, you know, most recently, I've been a data scientist for five years. And then this year in May, um, I went full time into entrepreneurship.
1: I love it. That is an incredible story. Um, Any lessons from kind of that era in your life that really influenced your real estate journey? Um, I know you mentioned kind of, staying with other girls. I know you invest with a lot of other people. You're great at kind of raising capital and doing this, and we'll get into that. But anything from that era that helped kind of spear that?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to investing in general, um, I think it's sort of like a muscle that you have to exercise. Um, It's like risk-taking muscles, right? because as you as you graduate from you know um, something that you know really well which is like maybe a single family all the way to some other asset classes maybe commercial asset that you are not as familiar with you know every deal you have to flex these like risk-taking muscles and i think because i you know took such a huge risk when i was 12 um i think that kind of helped me be more more comfortable with taking risks when it came to investing right yeah and just you know i I think also the fact that you know when i was growing up when i didn't speak english right a lot of my friends a lot of my girlfriends helped me a lot right and so i think that that feeling of like oh you know um your community matters and you get influenced a lot and you influence them a lot um when it comes to a group of people right so that's why i started you know a woman a real estate investor group here in austin and uh you know and i think that's why i think it's really exciting um that you're starting this podcast right highlighting people um who are you know from the, the you know specific background like you know similar to mine um and then you know i think it, it creates a community right as you share your stories other people are going to resonate with some parts of a you know your story. And then that's i think how it starts you know uh, everyone sort of relating to each other learning from each other and then you know hopefully do deals together right, right.
1: <laughs> i love it um so you went to boarding school in cleveland ohio where did you go to college
0: i went to another boarding school for high school uh, in dc and then i went to i moved down to uh, Texas, Houston. I went to Rice University. I wanted to study at like a, a very small school. So it fit the the profile very well. And then, you know, went to work in oil and gas like everyone else. Did not like it. And then so that's what, when I moved to Austin to go to grad school to become a data scientist.
1: Really? Okay. And so you, even up to this point, like the perfect story, like you came over here, you went to school, you got a great paying job, you got a career. And that's where so many people stop, right? So what got you to go, no like i want to invest in real like i want to do more so talk to me a little bit mm-hmm. about that and maybe what your first deal looked like what got you interested in real estate
0: yeah i mean i've always really liked houses i mean i love like looking at it i love touring it right and then also um i guess my background with my family so heavier topic, but it's my life. So I'm gonna share it. So <laughs> when I was like, maybe 10, my, my mom and my uncle who used to be a GC in Guam, they, you know, started a commercial construction company. So they would build buildings and then lease it out like the unit separately to businesses or small business owners and stuff like that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I grew up watching my mom sort of being this businesswoman, badass businesswoman in, in real estate, right? The story ended pretty badly. Um, They basically went bankrupt because, you know, there's a lot of things that Korea is construction company, you know, industry is operating and they just didn't, didn't have a lot of like, I think background and connection when it comes to that. So we've been most of my life, you know, we were in lawsuits, you know, it, it was a really bad situation for a lot of people, you know, a lot of stress, when it came to money. Yeah. And so I think just having that sort of experience growing up, I think it opened my eyes a lot to, you know, real estate in general, and just business in general, right. And when I got the job as a data scientist, and, you know, started working and making pretty good money, right, six figure, right, right off the bat, you know, I think I looked at that upbringing of all of these sort of stress and trauma that is associated with real estate, and thankfully, I think I've sort of reframed my mind in a way that, okay, I like real estate. I can see the potential, right? Um, especially in Austin market. I believe, you know, as a data scientist, I'm I believe in like data driven approach, and I, you know, all the all the signs are pointing to I believe in you know future of Austin economy, right? And so when I thought about that, I realize i'm like you know what i could do real estate but learn from the mistakes that my parents made when it came to real estate investing which basically i think for them it was you know lack of risk analysis right which which is a huge part of investing in general. And then, so I wanted to sort of reframe that out of that mind and then, okay, I'm going to do something, but in a different way that I'm not going to repeat the same mistakes. So I learned from their mistakes. So I bought my primary, but in East Austin, basically my first, that was my first deal. I renovated, I mean, all cosmetics, nothing structural, but it was a pretty big project because it was a very old house. And um, I was house hacking. So even before I bought the house, I looked for houses that were in good location that I know that I can rent it out. And then also the layouts and the layouts of this house was like perfect for basically they call it a sneaky duplex here. Basically, you like divide a single family house, like block it. So there's no... Um, shared spaces and then and then you know rented out the other unit as a short-term rental and midterm rental and it's been I mean you know it opened my eyes up to you know that it almost covered my expense right so I was like wow this is real estate actually makes money let's do more <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it and then so that unit do you short-term rent it out do you mid-term rent do you do a blend what do you Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So after I bought it, COVID hit, I did, did short term rental for a while. And then when COVID hit, I turned into a midterm rental because I just, you know, the risk was too too much of having a lot of people come in and out. Yeah. So, and, but not, yeah. And now it's a, it's a, a midterm rental.
1: Awesome. Anything you had to change when it became a short term rental to midterm rental, or did you just keep it as is? And did you like add a desk? Did you get better in that connection? I don't know.
0: Yeah, so we already had Google Fiber, so have pretty fast internet for people who wanted to work from home. It already had like a kitchenette. So it doesn't have a full kitchen like with a stove, but um, you know, it has all the amenities like, you know, fridge, microwave, all the utensils, uh, you know, like coffee machine, things like that, like toasters. And um, I did add a desk when it became a midterm rental, like a dedicated like work work from home desk. Um, but other than that, I mean, because it converted from airbnb to or short-term rental to midterm rental it already held had all the amenities right but i can see how if you start from midterm rental and you want to convert into a short-term rental there's a whole lot more that you should buy
1: <laughs> correct and then um how do you find people to rent it from you are you on furnish finder or are you just like telling your friends hey i have an extra spot if you guys want to lease it for a few months like what's your what's your process been
0: yeah. I mean, when it was short-term rental, it was on Airbnb. Um, we did not get that much of VRBO. I think VRBO audience is a little different. Um, yeah. And that's not something that they're looking for, just one bedroom apartment, right? Um, and then for midterm rental, just everything through Furnished Finder. I mean, there's... Okay so much demand when it can, comes to maternal, rental. And, and I think it's the part of the town that I live in, which is East Austin, very close to downtown and everywhere else. And this is something, you know, I think a lot of people want to stay in something like this where they don't have to sign like a 12-month lease and start your utility under your Social Security, right? All of that stuff is already taken care of. And so I think a lot of people who's like maybe thinking about moving to Austin and maybe buying a home here, but they want to try out, a lot of them want to come stay in something like this or you know we get a lot of traveling nurses a lot of like traveling digital nomads you know honestly it's been booked like the entire time (laughs) since I bought it.
1: (laughs) I I also house hack just like you do and it it changes your perspective so much so I kind of started with short-term rentals and house hacking was like later on part of my journey but it it makes such a mental difference in your head because you're like my living costs is paid for. Like for me, like half of my mortgage is paid for because yeah. I house hack, right? Um, but it makes it yeah. so much easier to do other things because you're like, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay rent next month.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's just like a peace of mind, right? When you're taking other risks, if you can cap your down risk of your current situation. Yeah, you can take a
1: lot more risk. That's the key. That's one hundred percent. So you have this great job. You you bought this property. You rehabbed it. You're renting out. Your living expenses are more or less covered. Talk to me about like what the next phase of your journey looked like. Like what did you what did you start? What did you do?
0: Yeah, so well, I love meeting people. So I, you know, I'm like one of those weird people who's like, Oh, I go you know, I go to networking events events for fun, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but I did, you know, I met a lot of people along the way, including a lot of other developers. And they're like bigger developers, but so after you know, buying this house and renting it out, all this stuff, you know, COVID hit and you know what happened, right? The prices were just out of this world. You know, like there were some properties that had like 99 offers, right? Like very oh, heavily, yeah, like competitive situations. It just didn't make sense for me to like, try to save up to buy another house. But what I did was like, so I started underwriting for the, you know, basically any kind of strategy and asset class that I could think of, right? From residential to flipping, to burying, to, you know whatever, you know, development to self storage you know, commercial assets, all that stuff. And like, I was like, numbers are just not working out. Right. And, and then so, but, but I was talking to another developer and he was telling me about, you know, sort of the, the how, how development goes in Austin. Cause Austin is kind of unique in some sense because it's so so hard uh, for the permitting process. It's kind of very, I heard that's very similar to California. And so, but I was like, you know, the development was the only thing that kind of made sense, made sense for me as, you know, sort of the returns I was expecting. And, you know, my philosophy on learning a new skill in anything is like, if there's enough barrier to entry that other people can't just freely get into this, then it's a valuable asset. I mean, valuable skill set that for me, right? So it's like worth investing that time. Because you know, like, when you try to get into anything, there's a lot of like, time you have to spend on like, uh, cultivating your your network, right, your relationship so that you have people to go to when you have questions, right, you have to know a lot, right, because knowledge is going to be the one that's going to be minimizing your downside risk, right. And then, you know, so I just, I wanted to be very, like, thoughtful, like, intentional about like, which asset class I get into, and then something that I can scale, right, and do, you know, repeat it multiple times, and just development just happened to be that way. But also, I was like, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a high risk, high reward type of a strategy, right? So I didn't want to put all my capital in, I wanted to share the risk and returns with other people. So I found a business partner, just also a woman. And then so we started building, right. And next thing you know, we had lots of challenges later, and huge learning curve, you know, now, you know, now I'm building, it became, you know, a few of the buildings of properties that I built became came short-term rental and mid-term rentals and East Austin. Um, I'm selling my current project when it's done, you know, things like that. And I love development. Development is so much fun.
1: (laughs) Tell me, um, what what resources did you use to start learning about development? Like, were you reading architecture books? Were you on YouTube? Like, like, walk me through your process about like, how did you start learning how to develop? Because I think it's an area so many people are interested in. But like you mentioned, like the barrier to entry is so high. So people are like, I don't know how to do this.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I think one of the reasons why development is so hard to get into is because really, there's not much you can find on the internet, because development. So just as a context, development projects are very much, very much sensitive to whatever that county's development code that they're ad- abiding to, right. So every every place has its own quirks and stuff. Austin just happened to be pretty hard <laughs> when it comes to very st- strict about what it comes to inspections and how how we can build. So whenever I was like, trying to get into it, honestly, like I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of books about just real estate in, in general, right? Investing in general. But when it comes to development development, I mean, there are some few books, but it's not it's not specific to your location enough that it's not going to be too too helpful right so what you c- you can do is literally talk to other developers right like where do you like how do you source things um who's good right so and a lot of times you, like you know i stop getting re- like a i stop finding contractors or vendors through like google that i don't know anymore mm-hmm. i only go by referrals because i realize it just doesn't make sense you have to rely on your network in order to like find other people that quality right so so yeah so I've gotten a lot of referrals from people. I tried a lot of different things, right? Like I try hiring interior designers. I try hiring, you know, different builders and, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. You get better at the system and systems and process that you're, you're going through. But when it, came to, it comes to education, that's the hardest part is that you actually have to network and develop these relationships first before you can like feel confident getting into, right?
1: I love it. So part of development is you have to raise quite a bit of Cash, right, like you have all these stages of development, getting a bank loan. If you're like, so this piece of land, right? Like there's all these requirements yeah. and stuff, and I so feel like you're the queen at raising capital. So can you maybe share a little bit about how you kind of meet these people, how you develop the relationship, and then and I can't just go up to someone like, can you give me a million dollars tomorrow to open <laughs> to build this? So talk to a little about that and maybe some tips and strategies that you recommend. So when
0: it comes to raising capital, you know the the formula is you want to be you know known like been trusted, right? And I think when it comes to, you know, pitching a deal or finding investors and raising capital for your projects, um, it's really important to know that people don't invest in projects, people invest in you, people invest in you as a sponsor, right? Because you're going to have a fiduciary duty, um, as their as their operator and developer to make smart decisions about their money, right? Because you have a, this huge responsibility of taking someone's money. And and you're basically saying, I will, I will give you this return in exchange for your capital. So a lot of times, I think that trust building is really important. And for me, I think I always try to show up as someone. who's like interested in them, right? I want to understand if I meet anybody who's like, you know, anybody, right? Not even just uh, potential investors. Um, I think there's something to to learn from everybody that you meet. And so I try to go into the mindset of like, okay, I want to understand what what's your story? What's your life story? Where are you in this journey? Right? Like, what's your pain point? What do you want in life? Like, what's important for you? And then like, really try to like, treat each person as like, okay, like, I want to provide value, right? Because like, it, it, you know, in real estate, and I guess in any kind of real um, you, you know, if you're the pe- type of person who's like providing value to people, like, opportunities and investors are just just going to come to you right is my is my motto i don't know if it's true but that's sort of the model uh, that i try to buy. i think there's
1: a lot more money yeah. out there than there are deals out there
0: absolutely it's even now right you would uh, think that it's like oh with this interest rate like no one's investing no there's a lot of capital out there sitting on the sideline but you know i think when it comes to pitching deals you really like you have to take it really seriously right you're you you really have to know what you're doing right mm-hmm. And you have to have that determination that if you don't know, or, you know, uh, if you're falling short on something, like you should go learn or you should find other people who can help you bridge that gap. Right. And so I always try to like, you know, I have like a different techniques of like talking to different types of people. Right. Like if you're talking to a man, have more, you know, analytical sort of arguments of like why they should invest in this deal. Right. Like I'll talk a lot more about numbers when I'm talking about like women, I talk more about like their dreams and their, you know, future, what, what's their life life like what kind of life you know what, what do you want right it's like understand them more in like an emotional level right mm-hmm. and then you know finding real investors. I mean, this is like not something they're like, go to here and you can find them, right? (laughs) I go to so many different networking events on all different types of things too, from like entrepreneurship and tech to like real estate, commercial real estate, right? Like women, empowerment, business, right? And so whenever you're meeting all these people and you you have the mindset of like, okay, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna provide value, help people, serve people in whatever way that I can. Honestly, usually I think all of my investors, they're from referrals from someone that I knew really? who they might not, you know, know me that well. But like I've provided some sort of a value to them. Maybe I made a connection with him and someone else, right? Or you know, I show them, you know, about this thing that they didn't know, this software that they didn't know, or whatever, whatever it is. There's always something that you can you can provide value for, right? Mm-hmm. And once you do that, they see you as like a trustworthy person. And I always try to um, only work with people that I feel. Like our values align, our future visions align. It's never someone who I feel kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like there's there's this like feeling inside, and I try usually not to do you know do business with them because you know this is I'm gonna do this for a while, and this is my reputation, and I want to see all my investors succeed and make a lot of money right so um not a short-term thing so you should whenever you're presenting yourself to other people yeah like you should present in a way that um is worth worthy of their money right
1: (laughs) 100 so when you had your job and i know a lot of people kind of struggle with this and you would show up to these real estate networking meetings would you tell them hey i'm a developer even if you hadn't developed a project yet or i'm looking to do that or i know a lot of people kind of struggle with like do i say i you know what what i do at my w2 or do i talk about my real estate journey. So can you talk a little bit because I think a lot of it is just telling everybody this is what I do. And you'll be surprised by the amount of people that come and help you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when I had a W2 job in tech, I actually didn't tell a lot of people that I was doing real estate. And I think part of it is because to be honest, like I was just worried about like, negative stigma, right? When it comes to Oh, you have a side company, like you have another company that you're running while you're doing the W2. Right? Even though you did all the work that you're supposed to do, and you know, always got great, you know, like feedback and everything, right performance review, you know, I was I was, you know, that I, I, I was worried about that. But what I actually learned after I quit, and I started talking to a lot of my old coworkers, actually, like this was very, like, inspiring for a lot of people, right. And they had all these questions, like anybody, who wanted to buy real estate, like doesn't even matter if they're in Austin, they're always like chatting me up and be like, Hey, I have this question, you know, blah, blah. blah. And you know, I'm like responding, adding value, right? And who knows like what's going to happen in the future, right? But you know, I think I think I, I know a lot of people don't like, you know, they, they want to find they want to invest in real estate so that they can quit their nine to five job. Right. I was in like a very blessed position that I actually really like my job. I I kind of miss being a data scientist even still now. Yeah. And I, I like I like being a data scientist. Right. But, you know, I think you have to think about the balance. Right. Because especially if you're younger, right, like sort of in your twenties and early thirties, like me, you know, like you have a long way to go. You have a very long time to get to your whatever actual retirement, right? Whether that be you know by job or not. And so you know when it comes to if you have to really try to think about how to optimize your portfolio in a way that you want to scale fast and all this stuff, it, real estate requires capital. Like right. at the end of the day, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It does. Of, of course, there are ways to make money with like zero money down right there's a lot of creative financing stuff I'm just saying it's like it's a lot harder to get into that <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot harder to yeah, scale right so when it comes to that and if you're younger it's absolutely great that you have like a high-paying w-2 job, right um build that capital and also having a w-2 means you have a way easier time for financing right unless you get into commercial so you know like use that like use that your w-2 you're a existing situation right as like an opportunity so that you can set yourself up with this like strategy and plans to get to the place where you can quit your w2 job right but i you know i i think i think you know i i think a lot of people kind of hate their job so much that they're like how can i retire right now right things take time (laughs) be patient (laughs) and set yourself up for success right
1: i I think that's the golden nugget of this entire episode is just success takes patience it takes hard work it takes dedication is right. what overnight success looks like is doing this for years and years and years yeah um, exactly and- <laughs> yeah
0: and you know with your with your story too like you know like you started as you know oh i didn't know i wanted to open up a restaurant right and then you did i think you i think i saw your social media posts like you started as like a food you know like a a what do you call it? Like a food vendor uh, or like a, yeah. yeah, yeah. Before you can actually open your brick and mortar restaurant. Right. Did really well. And then now you're like, okay, mm-hmm. okay let me buy. You accumulate all this portfolio of like short mentals Right. And it's the same way it takes time. It, you know, you have to take step by step. Right. And if that means, Hey, and for your first deal, you just buy your primary and then you maybe fix up a kitchen and see right. how you feel about renovation process. Do that.
1: Right. <laughs> wow. Talk to us a little bit about what your portfolio looks like today. What do you have? Uh, what are you working on? What do you like? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So right now I have so two built to rent properties in East Austin. What now it's build
1: from, to rent? Sorry. What is built to rent? What does that mean?
0: Yeah. yeah. So this concept has actually got more popular, I think, uh, since like 2015 or 16. So basically, um, if you look at the graph of like pattern of like how much, you know, there's. A construction costs, right? It kept going up and mm-hmm. then obviously the pri- price uh, prices of properties kept going up, right? And at a certain point, you know, it used to be cheaper to just buy existing properties mm-hmm. and then like fix it Right, there was at certain point of time where it kind of flipped, and it was cheaper to build than. Um, and also, you know, if you if you you know, I'm you know you know this, but like renovation, there's just a lot more uh, risk. I mean, there's different types of risk, but there are risks that you can't really account for, right, in your due diligence. Um, if you open up a wall and you know your electrical like wiring is not updated, and you have not budgeted that for your part of your uh, renovation budget you know that could get expensive very fast right and basically build to rent is you build it development for you know and it has it kind of like uh keeps a lot of those downside like risks in check because you're building it from scratch you you kind of have control over the entire thing so you build to rent is basically you build a property or multifamily, whatever it is for the purpose of renting it out on as in your exit strategy so you're doing all the underwriting as if you're going to refinance after your construction is done and then you're renting it out build to sell on the other hand is sort of like what normal developers do they build property and they sell it at the end right
1: um, really? Okay, so, so I'm guessing, so you, you bought a piece of land, you're developing on it, Um, you're going to build this property, say just, I'm just picking up numbers here, say it's 500k, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to go out and rent it. So Do you hold on to the property? Like does one of your LLCs, the owner, and then you just pay the bank. Do, do you have to pay out the bank that helped you finance the construction? Or does it just automatically convert into like a fixed 30 year loan?
0: Yeah, so there's different product types, like loan product types that you can do for construction. There's generally there's uh two or three. Right. So there's lot loan which is basically you need, you need to buy the lot if you need to finance a lot and then construction loan and then there's I think not every state has this but state of Texas does which is one time closed loan so it kind of rolls a uh, construction loan and a permanent loan together so you only have one one closing so you're saving on the closing costs and there's like there's actually like I think there's really cool ways of how we 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 came to what, what we did which is like I think it's a such a cool you know business model but basically, if you buy the lot, this is what happened. So we bought the lot, we demoed the whatever is, exi- is existing uninhabitable house, and then you do and then you start building. And what happens is when the bank sees your lot, what, what happens is like, when you buy the lot, you, you basically get permitting, right? So you can't get construction loan until you have all the plans, all the specs, all the, you know, design, everything, right? And then your permit approval hits and then bank sees it, these all these plans and then and then they they order an appraisal and this appraisal is based on these plans nothing has built yet but based on these plans and the comps and everything they are appraising what the future value of this house will be right right. and if that value is high enough they say say they have 80 percent ltv right on value right if it's high enough you don't have to bring any more money in so what happened with us is another developer is not doing it like how i'm doing right Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of opportunities i think if you know more and you know more you know you you're plugged into a community right you know people there are other people are talking about different things more you know there's a lot more opportunities that maybe only you can take advantage of right um
1: i love it that is an incredible story very cool so you have that built your rank how many of those are you guys building currently said two? Or- yeah. Okay. And then um what else do you have in your portfolio?
0: So I bought a beach house in Florida with a friend. <laughs> we did like a honestly bought a sight on scene, did a two months live in renovation where we brought all our animals and drove there. We both had w two jobs at the time, right? Like, internet's like spotty, like, you know, getting and we just did it for two months. we were just living there living in the dust, like renovating. So now it's a short term rental. It's a it's a it's like the biggest house in that area. So like, it was a lot of work. (laughs) That actually is part of like, I think what is important for me, which is like, I really think, you know, real estate investing is a tool, right? It's one way of getting to where you want to be. But I think for me, it's like, what was important for me was like designing my life. Right. I wanted to live certain kind of life. And I think, you know, things like this, right. Buying a beach house where you actually want to go vacation. Right. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in the future, you just start buying houses and all the places that you want to vacation or live in. Right. Right. and a business, right? Short-term rental when you're not using it. Yeah. And then, so I I love that concept. So I, yeah, so I bought that one. I also bought a tiny house that I ended up seller financing. There's a whole story behind it. Then building two more. And then I think that's it. Like six houses. Yeah. And then now I'm actively looking for commercial, commercial project where I'm probably going to syndicate. So talking to lots of different people on, so residential infill development, commercial, Asset probably like a self storage, yeah, self storage, or some, or maybe another uh, commercial development project. Because okay. I, you know, I, I love development, and I think I, I think I would want to get into commercial at some point. Um, yeah, and then and then the the course. <laughs> is yeah. What yeah. I'm-
1: but tell us a little bit about your course. Like, um, what do you guys have in there? I, I read the flyer, and we'll post a link to that down below, but talk to me a little bit about
0: that. Yeah. So, you know, um, the woman, woman's a uh, group, the investor group that I started, uh, years ago was, um, I started because I feel like when I got into real estate investing, there weren't as many women within my network who liked talking about real estate, but as you know, real estate is very addictive. And like, once you get into it, that's all you want to talk about. Right. right. And and I just simply didn't have that community. And so I wanted to create one. And once I created one, I started talking to all these women who kind of have a same profile as me, right? So like, you know, maybe you're you're not an immigrant like me, but you're a woman, you maybe work in tech or some other male dominant industry, you you've done everything that you the society expects you to do, right? You studied hard, got good, you know, went to good school, got good jobs, maybe married, had kids. And then you're like, now what? Right. And a lot of women, especially like my co workers who are working in high tech, they're like, yeah, I maxed out my 401k. I'm like investing in stocks and then I have my primary house. And then I'm just, everything else is sitting in my savings account. You know, yeah. And then they're like, so crazy. And they just simply didn't have like, I don't know, did, we just didn't have role models that we can see like, oh, really? estate investing is for me right but um as i as i accumulated more knowledge and more network you know of, of people within real estate what i realized was like one i was meeting tons of these women who are like i don't know like i know i want like passive income and then i want like you know another way so that you know if i god forbid like i you know i get laid off or you know maybe i want to stay with the kid for first five years like they have ability to do so but they just simply weren't aware but two i think there's a lot of resources out there for like, if you're starting from scratch, right, you're like, Oh, like, I'm a first time home buyer, or like, you know, I want to buy my first whatever, I want to set up my first short term rental, there's tons of like courses and resources out there. But what I thought was lacking was like, you know, the more advanced Mm -hmm. once you have a couple investment properties, or maybe you've had one primary, it's like, what happens now, I have money, or maybe I have time or I have experience in something. But a lot of people, I don't think they knew all the things that thousand and one ways where, you know, within real estate uh, investing provides in terms of asset classes, how do you like, you know, do all of these things. Right. So it's like both education and also like community aspect that I'm trying to do with this real estate course uh, is like, you know, I will give you like, you know, basically all the education overview of like, what is out there, right. From residential to commercial. And you might be like scared of commercial, but also it's like a lot of times it t- it requires less time of yours. Right. Um, and so anyway, so just knowing all of that out there education on, you know, your mindset, right. Uh, what is an investor mindset? How do you overcome your limiting beliefs? And then, you know, all the education pieces on, you know, how does financing work? How does underwriting work? Right. A lot of women are are scared of math. And thankfully, sure. like, I mean, I, I'm like a STEM background. So I, I actually love math, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized a lot of women didn't have confidence in them, because they just thought maybe they're not good enough, they don't know enough, or this is not for them. This is too risky for them, whatever, right. And what really makes me mad is like, you know, the statistics of like by the time women and men reach age 60 years old, um, on average, there's more than one mo- $1 million net worth difference between men and women for many different reasons yes and part of it is because you know we're we're just not as like risk-taking as men and I'm not saying that you should take all the risks but at a certain point you should you have to take certain risks you know and minimize it as much as you can but you need to take action or else like it's you know it, your your future you don't have you control your own future right you're putting it on someone else's hand and yeah so I just wanted to create you know a course and also like a sort of like a mastermind, right? And then also like we we can, you know, I can do consulting, like a one on one type of a thing, or you can, and I think what's the biggest part is one, you're gonna have a community of other women, if you want to partner with each other, take down a bigger deal, you don't have to do it by yourself, right? Or if you don't have money, partner with other people, right? So that's like, what I wanted to create in terms of community. And then two, I realized, you know, these real estate deals, like opportunities, syndication deals, they're not easily accessible for other people, right? Mm -hmm. And but there's so many deals out there. And so I was like, okay, whatever you need. So we're going to give you a personalized, like strategic plan for w- where you want to go in the future. But if you want to do any of these, I have all of these resources from templates to connections with maybe investor friendly agents or syndication deals that I know the sponsors, right? We'll look at underwriting for say the syndication deal or RV park deal together. Um, so that you feel confident knowing that, okay, this is like the right way. And then like, let me take this action.
1: I love that if um all of our listeners want to get more information, how can they connect with you? What's the best platform for you and what are your details? And we'll put it in the in the show links below as well.
0: Yeah, um, the easiest way, there's two ways. If you want to message me, like a DM me on Instagram, on my Instagram handle for the real estate account is my name. So Chloe Kwan, C H L O E K W N dot R E, or you can go to my website, which is www.lifedesignbychloe.com by
1: mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. And then one last part. I'd like to ask kind of everybody that we're going to have on this podcast is, is there anyone you recommend that I talk to and bring onto this podcast? Anybody you aspire to you look up to or anyone that you think would be a great resource to share the story with? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think you should talk to my friend Jen. She's like a hotel investor from, you know, Puerto Rico. So kind of an immigrant, <laughs> had the same sort of similar life, right? Like a, she was, an, she's been an engineer, previous life, and then now she's a badass a hotel investor. So
1: if you can make the introduction, I'd love to bring her on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. Chloe. I really appreciate all your time in this. Any other valuable feedback you'd like to share? And uh, closing statements, arguments? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Arguments? I, uh, you know, I think the fact that whoever is listening to this, you're looking for something greater than 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 what you are doing now, right? And you want to provide, you want to create that kind of life for your own future. So like I salute you for thinking about future, wanting to have plan. And, you know, I think, yeah, like surrounding yourself with the community that you know, like minded community is going to be huge. Find groups that can help you, support you, um, talk about things that you're interested in talking about. And, you know, ask for help, reach out to other people, join masterminds. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do and you never know which like thing that you did is going to actually like provide the biggest opportunity for the to live the life that you want. Right. So, you know, take that risk, like, you know, like, everyone has fear when it comes to their future, each deals, right? Doesn't matter how big you are. So you know, take that
1: risk. I felt like I thought it would get easier, but it doesn't like you have different risks that you're worried about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a different types of risk as you as you accumulate more. Um, Yeah, but you know, you know, the life that you want as big as you dream of, I really truly believe that every single woman or someone else you know it could be men. you have what it takes to make that happen that dream reality you just have to um make smart decisions and you know keep growing as a person right and last thing i want to say about real estate investing is you know you i think a lot of people think it's like about math and you know whatever right like about money but the biggest thing that helped me and i think biggest thing that I, i see a lot of other people do is your mindset like you really have to have it's a very turbulent Journey, you really have to have a strong mindset, like strong mental capability, to withstand anything that goes, you know, go. You, you'll go through, but just know that there's a lot of people here that there they're good people,
1: and they're very much willing to help you. So ask for help. I love it. So I know you mentioned the mindset. So do you want to take a little time just to talk about that? Is there anything you do specifically for your mindset? It's something I kind of struggle with too, right? And you fall off the bandwagon. Like there's no one looking after you once you don't have a job, right? <laughs> You're of following up with you. So talk to us a little bit about mindset and things always go wrong in real estate. They go wrong. Yeah, and things like randomly, we're just like, everything's going great. And then like, everything just starts like cascading down. Um, so you know, anything you, you do specifically for mindset that you find is really helpful.
0: Yeah, so uh, actually, I when I first started investing in real estate, I decided that I am only going to speak in like a positive way when I have like an inner monologue with myself, right? Because I think and I think this is a lot of women do this too. You know, we think about the worst case scenario, right? And we think about things that didn't even happen. And you're just worried, like, Oh, my God, what if someone like falls and like breaks their hip and sues me, right? I mean, this actually hinders a lot of people from taking action, right? Because you're thinking about negative stuff, oh, I'm not good enough at, you know, in math, I'm not, you know, I don't know this enough, whatever, right, then self doubt, that little seed is going to grow into something bigger within you, right? So for me, I just made one day I was like, I just made a decision. I'm like, I'm only gonna, I'm gonna be aware of whenever I talk negatively to myself, right? Doubt self doubt. Right. And then, so I started catching myself saying these things and I try to reframe, it in a way that's positive, right? I can do this, right? right. And the second thing that helps me a lot is, I, honestly, I, I actually saw Ray Dalio talking about what, what was the biggest uh, trait or thing that he did for to, that enabled his success, and he said, uh, meditation, right? And I 100% agree. I've been right. meditating almost every day for the last 10 years, and mm-hmm. it has helped me so much withstand, you know, like, burnout is real. real, yeah, right? Like, I I was burning out heavily because I was trying to juggle W2 and this and all this stuff last year. And meditation, I do it every morning, is so helpful. Same with
1: Afro. You meditate. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut, but what did you learn to meditate and how did you get started? And then, of course, i want to hear about the Afro as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I got into meditation when I was living in Nepal. So one of the causes I like just really, really believe in, and I don't know why, because there's no one I, I didn't experience it personally and no one around me did. But human trafficking has been something that I've human trafficking and domestic violence has been something that I just feel greatly for. And so I lived in Nepal. We were rescuing women from these abusive relationships and trafficking situations. And then at the end, I joined this 10 day silent meditation um, because it was something that locals like highly regarded. They're like, you have to do this. You know, blah blah. Never meditated in my life before this point, right? But I was like, oh well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here. I'm, I'm already here. Let me do it. I had a friend that joined with me, and she ran away on day three, literally, because <laughs> <laughs> it's really intense, right? It's like you wake up at four, and then you meditate hour, take five minute break, hour, ten minute break until lunch. You have lunch silently. You can't talk, you can't read, you can't watch anything, you can't speak, you can't make eye contact with people, you can't do yoga, I don't know.
1: Wow. And then so and
0: then you start meditating hour, 5 minute break until you go to sleep. That for 10 days, I learned so much. Really. <laughs> and then I I was hooked. I was like this really helps, like, you know, um, it really helps on everything from just calming your mindset to feeling really grateful and then to cultivate these like visions for yourself. Right. And I think when you have a bigger vision, some of the smaller stresses in your life, like kind of, it seems a little bit more insignificant. Right. So it really does help like reframing your mindset, right? Because stress will not go away. Things ha- happening in your life, like is right. not going to, as long as you have a life, things are going to happen. So but you know, what you do have control over is how your mindset of how you are taking that information and processing in your brain, right? And what's your reaction to it? What actions are you taking? So I think that helps a lot affirmations, definitely, right? Sometimes you just have to hear it in your own voice of like that, you know, money comes to you easily right? You're not faced by a lot of these small stresses, you know, success, your own natural right is success and abundance. And I think when you're when you really try to think about, okay, am I in your in, am I in an abundance mindset? Or am I in a scarcity mindset, right? When I first became an entrepreneur, I think I was in a scarcity mindset, because I was like, how am I gonna pay my rent? How am I gonna make money? You know, like, what am I gonna do? You know, all this stuff, it's okay. <laughs> Once you have abundance mindset, stress, you know, you're looking at Positive things in life, you know, you're, you're you're picking out things that are good in your life, and you're really grateful. And I swear to God, if you keep thinking like this and you visualize the life that you want, right, like it will happen. Like manifestation. I know it's kind of woo woo, but I think it really does it. It does work. And if, even if it doesn't like produce the vision that you're looking for, at least like your journey and your mindset to get there is way more peaceful
1: you know, I, I 100% agree. Do you have like a specific area you meditate in? Do you put on some music? Like, what does your process look like?
0: Yeah, so every morning, it's kind of like morning routine that you want to like, just do every day. So my morning routine is I wake up, I don't set alarm anymore. After I became an entrepreneur, <laughs> <And> then, like,
1: <laughs> right, so I wake oh up. Yeah. I'm like a tiger.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, my body kind of wakes up at seven anyway. So I wake up and I do just like 10 minutes of like breathing. So I sit down. So anywhere. It could be like a cushion, it could be on a carpet. It doesn't really matter. So you sit down and then you close your eyes and you want to first like, you know, just regular breathing, check in with your body, um, drop in. Mm -hmm. And then I do breath work. So different types of breath work, right? But it kind of wakes up your brain in a way. And then I I do sometimes I do meditation if I want to do like a visualization, I mean, a manifestation, like something specific, or I'm just uh, doing like a called transformational meditation. It's basically like you have like a something like a ohm and you're just repeating that in your mind okay. until you, you you're done with meditation yeah so that's what i am doing yeah and then whatever else right find find the find the place that works for you right
1: <laughs> i love it i love it thank you so much chloe i really appreciate having you on the podcast i'm excited to watch your journey continue and grow and get all these deals i think by the end of our podcast you're gonna on all of Austin and development. So thank you so much for coming on, I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was great catching up with you. Thanks for letting me share my story. And if anybody wants to reach out, get connected, please do. I would love to hear from other people.
1: Thank you so much.